Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Therefore, we pause at this moment just to say, Father, have your way. We thank you for all that you have done, and we are expectant for all that you will do. We ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are, um, if you're going to celebrate the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, kindly, let's do it with all our hearts. Let's thank God wherever you are in the world, wherever you're watching this, we can celebrate the Lord for without a doubt, he has been good to us. And so ladies and gentlemen, today we are totally dependent upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit and therefore we ask for brevity, insight and wisdom. We ask that the Lord is kind to us in all ways and in all things. And so today, the title of my message, ladies and gentlemen, is Heart Surgery 101. And we're going to continue from where we left off. Heart Surgery 101. It should be fun. And so to bring us up to speed, Pastor spoke last week and he listed seven types of heart. And they're very, very, it's a very simple list. It's actually quite a daunting list. And the list is, goes as follows. There's a deceitful heart that he spoke about. That's having a double heart. Um, a hard heart. A proud heart. An unbelieving heart. A cold heart. And an unclean heart. All of which we have to accept, ladies and gentlemen, are malfunctioning. Without a doubt, they're malfunctioning. The question is this. When you look at all six, you realize that when you boil the problem down, they have one major malfunction. And so to, before you begin to deal with the specifics, which we will do in the next few weeks, we have to deal with the basic function of the heart. Because all of those hearts are malfunctioning. So there's one function that they are not carrying out. And so what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a look at the primary function of the heart, and that's why we called it Heart Surgery 101. And so what is the basic function of a heart? And it's actually quite simple. The basic function of a heart, without, rather than throw out my own personal view, turn with me in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Because this, let's call this type number 7. So we've looked at 1 to 6. Let's look at this one as type number 7. And the Bible says the following. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him herein and then the bible is speaking to another king not speaking to you or i and anybody who's listening online the bible says herein thou hast done foolishly therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars 
But what you realize, what the prophet laid out was a gem that I want us to focus on, and it is this, that the kind of heart that the Lord looks for, type number seven, is the heart that we could refer to as perfect. Now, perfect does not mean flawless. Perfect, when you realize perfect means complete, friendly, or full. That means when God says, I'm looking for a heart that is perfect, I'm looking for a heart that is mature, he's looking for a heart that is full, he's looking for a heart that is friendly towards him, or he's looking for a heart that is complete. Now that sounds quite a daunting list, but let's let's have a look at it. You realize this is what God looks for. Now, to bring that home for you, I will just mention this and then I will go on. You realize Jesus Christ in his ministry, every time he found a heart that was, let's use the word, perfect. Or the word that Jesus used is faith. A heart that believed him. He always acknowledged it. And so we realize throughout the ministry of, the, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whenever he identified a heart that this is the one we're looking for, he acknowledged it and said, this is what we're looking for. And so to answer the question, what is the basic function of a heart? The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 10 tells us, and the Bible says the following, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so ladies and gentlemen what we realize is a perfect full or complete heart has one primary function it believes the word in the old king james is believeth that means it's present continuous it's not only a one-time thing it's a continuous thing so the question we have to answer is how do we believe the reason being is If we can get to a point that we can, our hearts believe, we are one step to solving all the malfunctions that we listed. And so that's what we'll look at today. And so let's go to our core scripture. And our core scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the prayers that Paul prayed when he was speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, and so our core scripture tonight or this afternoon, or this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is Ephesians 3, verse 14, and we'll read to 21. And I'll read all the way through, and then we'll break it down. And I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. 
unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's quite a remarkable prayer. And if you ever get the opportunity, and I do encourage it, pray it for yourself regularly. It's a wonderful prayer. But let's break it down. Because in this prayer, the Bible teaches us how to get our hearts to a point where we believe. And so let's step into the first thing. The first thing we realize that Paul prays in verses 14 to 16, he says that the Lord, he turns to the Lord and he says, may you be strengthened with might. But he says something before that, and it's quite important. He says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's clarify something. Everything you require, ladies and gentlemen, is found in God through Jesus Christ. And Paul says this. He says, may the God grant you that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, strengthens you in your inner man. So pause for a moment. So let me reassure you, the first step to believing will not be by your effort. It will be by the Spirit of God. Now, this is, and this is, this is what I want you to realize. Paul realizes for this church, which is the book, church of Ephesus, for you to be successful... You have to turn to God first, not to your effort. And the Lord says that I, by my spirit, when my spirit fills your heart, this is what will happen. Jesus Christ will fill your heart. He will live in your heart by faith. And so we realize, ladies and gentlemen, the first step to having a healed or a whole heart is to turn to God your Father and ask him for his help. And I hope that really helps someone. Because sometimes we can feel really condemned that how, do we, how am I going to get past this? How am I going to get past the fact that I struggle? How am I going to get past the fact that I have a doubting, unbelieving, or I have a disbelieving heart, or I've drifted so far? How am I going to get back to God? This is what Paul says. He says, start with the solution. Ask God for help. And the Bible says that help comes in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me put this in context because... The Bible says Jesus will dwell in your heart by faith. Paul puts this in a much simpler fashion when he prays for the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.17. And I want you to please understand this. Because many times you say, okay, but I don't have any faith. I don't, I don't believe God, I'm struggling. Let me read, to the, read from the Bible to you. Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 20, Paul is praying for the same church. And he says the following. He says that the God of, Ephesians 1, 17 to 20, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Pause for a moment. Notice what Paul says. Paul says, revelation will come when God makes it happen. That means as you read, study, meditate, and confess the word of God, and as you act on it, the Lord will reveal to you that this is who I am. And this is what I want you to realize, please, ladies and gentlemen, that the steps to your heart being healed are going to be done by the Lord, not necessarily by, not by effort. And, I, and I'll explain that. And so keep this in mind. When something is revealed to you, the ability for you to do something else comes with it. And let me use this as an example, and then I'll read on. Have you ever had an item, a toy, or a new Christmas present, and they give it to you, and you have no idea how to work it? None whatsoever. And sometimes you keep it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you may think, I'm just going to give this away, I can't work it anyway. Sometimes people are like that with phones or newfangled gadgets. But then you read the manual. And the manual says, if you do X, Y, and Z, the gadget that was completely a mystery to you does this. And all of a sudden, the ability for you to use the item is given to you. Revelation is like that. When God reveals who Jesus Christ is to you, the ability for you to do something else comes with that revelation. So when, you re when it's revealed to you that Jesus Christ has healed you by the stripes, by his stripes, or when it is revealed to you that when you lay hands in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that somebody will get well. Notice, the next time you are confronted with someone who is ill, you notice, the revelation of who Jesus is now transfers an ability to you. So rather than panicking, you say, well, you know what? I know what, who Jesus is. Jesus is my healer. Therefore, I'm going to do what? I'm going to pray for you. And so what happens? Paul says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal who Jesus is to you. And we understand revelation is not by effort. Revelation always comes from the creator of the item. Who writes manuals? The person who created the item will tell you how to work it. Do we agree? Let's go to the second point. So we realize that we could look at other scriptures, but I'm going to continue. So let's go to step two. Paul says that, G that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Now, pause for a moment, and this is what I want you to hold on to. Faith is not a creation of man. Faith is an expression of the God you serve. 
And so let me read to you what the scriptures say so we understand it. Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verses 1 to 2, says the following. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset, and let us run with patience that race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. Pause for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, the faith in God that you have begins, is made perfect, and will come to completion through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what you must also realize, faith dovetails into who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what Jesus has achieved on your behalf. Now, you may say, but pastor, that's, that, that's not how it, well, where, where's, my, where's the effort part in that? Please hear me well. Let's think about it. What Jesus Christ has won on your behalf and on my behalf will take us a lifetime to discover and experience. And so, just to drive it home, because, I, I, because I, let me drive the point home. There are many things that Jesus has won for you. They're already yours. And this is the key element. When you don't realize something is yours, you won't fight for it. Think about it. If you go in, and, and, and I'm, I'm going I'm to, let me stick to, I, I would love to preach this out, but I'm going to stay with, let me show you three things that you may, did not, you may not realize that Jesus has done for you. And please remember, so faith dovetails into who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, where Jesus is now, and what he said about you. Please keep this in mind. Your confidence in God begins, ends, and will grow to maturity through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's go on. A, so let's look at three things that Jesus has done for you. The first thing is, Jesus has made you righteous. That means all the benefits of a righteous man are yours, not because of your effort, but because of what Jesus has done. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says the following, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, pause for a moment. When you go through the Bible, especially when you go through the Psalms, notice that a righteous man is the most desirable thing to be. To give you a brief, I'm not going to go into the scriptures, but think about it. A righteous man is never allowed to fall. A righteous man, his prayers are always answered. A righteous man, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps around him and ensures that he's delivered. These are the benefits of a righteous man. So Jesus has made you righteous, not by effort. It's going to take you a lifetime to discover and experience and express the fact that you are now righteous. That means remove from harm. When you stand before God, you do so without any fear or favor. So let's have a look at another thing that Jesus has done, and then we'll go forward. The Bible says that 
In Hebrews chapter 12, reading from 22 to 24, the Bible says the following. But you are come to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Meaning, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you face another problem, realize you have access to the control center of the universe. You have a right to walk into where the decisions are made and you can make your case and your voice in that situation will be the loudest because you will come in Christ. And in Christ, the Bible says, where everything is decided, you have a seat at the table. Because Jesus has a seat at the table. That means when you speak concerning something, it has the same weight as when your Savior speaks because he's speaking through you. But that's not the fun one. And I don't really have much time to preach it, so I'm going to let the Bible excite you a little bit. The third thing that Jesus has done for you, and then I'll move on, is this. Everything that was against you and I, because we did not know God in Jesus Christ has been reversed. Let me read the Bible to you. Ephesians 2 verses 11 to 13. Wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, ye who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh or made close by the blood of Jesus Christ. So let me put that in context for you with one scripture. And it's this. Luke one thirty-seven. The Bible says, because of what Jesus has done, you are now, you and I, are now near God. The Bible says, Luke 1.37, for with God, what? Nothing is impossible. Because of the blood of Christ, in anything you face, God is with you. Meaning, you don't lose. Ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus may dwell in your heart by faith. That means the promises and the assurances of God are not anchored on your behavior. They are anchored on the victory and the success of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your part in the matter is believe. The rest is done by him. Let's keep going. Let's, um, the third thing that we realize, and this is a step to healing your heart, the third point is this. Paul plays, prays this prayer, that we are rooted and grounded in love. Now, please understand something. The Bible ends that phrase with to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The love of God becomes your sustenance, one, 
and your stability too. Now, to bring this home, please hear me well. The optimum environment for a human being to thrive is in the love of God because that's what you were born for. Now, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, reading from verses 8 to 10, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was the love of God manifest, and this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Pause. Please. The Bible says that God loved you first. Now, that's hard to understand sometimes. And so I'll do two things and then I'll move on. The first one is this. Let's define love, looking at our Lord Jesus Christ. Love, ladies and gentlemen, is the sacrificial provision of God's good to another in a way or manner that they may receive it. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, when you want to provide something in love, this is what God does. He does it so that you can receive it. Think of a six-month-old baby. The baby is crying and the baby is hungry. You don't take a bucket of KFC, say, you know what? I like the wings. You can have the leg. Knock yourself out. That doesn't happen. The baby will starve to death. So what do you do? You may still want to give them chicken, but you give it to them in a form that they can receive it. That means, ladies and gentlemen, everything that God wants you to receive in Jesus Christ, the Bible says he will deliver it to you in a way or manner you can receive it. That means he will tailor things so that his goodness, his kindness, his might, his power and ability are delivered to you in a way that you can handle it. Now, that hit me during the fast, and I don't have too much time to go over it, but I realized something. When you think about the names of God, you realize that God has been so good to you and I that it will take a lifetime to thank him for. Let me just use one. The Bible says that God is our, let's say shepherd. The Lord God is our shepherd. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, that we should give thanks, and I am paraphrasing, we should give thanks to his name. Think about it. Think about every time, look back at your life, and you realize that God has made sure you were at the right place at the right time at his expense. Everybody that sat next to you in class, everybody that sat next to you on a bus, everybody that sat next to you on a plane, every good thing that's happened to you was orchestrated by God Almighty before you arrived. This is the God, our shepherd. 
Think about it. Think about all the things that would not have happened if God had not made sure you were at one place or another in the last few years. When you begin to think like that, you begin to realize that God has done more for you than you can ask for. So God says, when you come to me, come to me in what? Thanksgiving. Why? I've already done more than you can ask for, and it is accessible to you in my name. I would love to expand that, but I, I, need, I want to close this out. And the result is this, step number four. I'll go as quickly as I can. And step number four is this. Paul says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And the Bible says the following. In Colossians 2, 9 to 10, the Bible says this, for in him, that's Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of God, of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Meaning, when Jesus Christ dwells in your heart, your heart Please understand me. Notice what Paul said. He said, when these three things happen, God will fill you with himself. And at that point, your heart will have three qualities. It will be full. It will be complete. And the only person who's perfect is God. It will be Perfect. Meaning, when your heart is filled with God, your heart is healthy. Not because you have done something, but because God is present. And that's what you begin to realize that God will cause what? Grace to happen to you. But let me put it into one scripture and then I'll close it out like this. The Bible says the following. The kind of heart that God looks for, not the Bible, this is the last point. The kind of heart that God looks for is the one that he makes himself. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Notice this phrase. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Meaning, ladies and gentlemen, all you have to do is allow God to you and he will do the healing and you may say pastor why is that important why is that why so are you telling me that I should put me down and allow God to take over well yes 
You say, why? Verse 20, and this is where I'll stop. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, the Bible starts it like this. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ever asked or could think, unto him be glory. Ladies and gentlemen, think of it this way, and I pray that your hope is lifted. When you get into a car to drive from A to B, do you realize the car does the work? What do you do, especially if you're the passenger? All you have to do is get in. The car or the train or the airplane does the rest. And this is how we're going to pray. Because for me to walk from here to America is impossible. Do you agree? It's impossible. I can't walk on water. Neither can I swim that far. And there is no land route. So for me to get from here to America without a vehicle is impossible. That means when I get on an aeroplane, that which was impossible becomes possible. Not because of me, but because of the vehicle. When God fills your heart with himself, that which was impossible to you becomes possible simply because he's present. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what happens when your heart is healed. And so we're going to do two calls and I'll pray. Call number one is that if you do not know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you do not have a relationship with him, he says the following. I've already given you a measure of faith. Use it to believe in me. And I will make an exchange. I will take your life and I will give you mine. You say, but I didn't work for it. No, he says, I did. But the benefits are yours. We call that salvation. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's anybody in here, anybody online that doesn't know the Lord Jesus, the Jesus said, if you believe that I am who I say I am, and believe where? In your heart. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, the Bible says you will be saved, separated, and removed from harm. The first prayer you pray will always be successful. And that's how God sets the tone. And if that's you, I pray that you ask Jesus to come into your life today. That which you think is impossible will become possible because he'll forgive yesterday. 
not only will he forgive yesterday, he will give you a new tomorrow. The second thing I want us to do is pray. And if anybody is in here and your heart, ladies and gentlemen, is broken, for whatever reason, for whatever state you find your heart, then let's pray like this. I pray that the God of our Father, Jesus Christ, may grant unto you from his riches in glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, that you will be rooted and grounded in love, that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith, that you will be rooted and grounded in love and comprehend with all saints what is the length, breadth, depth and height and to know this love of Christ which passes knowledge. And I pray that ye from this day forward you are filled with all the fullness of God. And the Bible says the following, the result will be that now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above whatsoever you may ask or think in your life from this moment forward May Jesus Christ be glorified now and forever. What am I saying? The healing starts today. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you.